What's up, all you beautiful people? It's your boy Hobart coming to you on this fine December 7th. Seven being my favorite number, December being my favorite month. Uh, what's up, everyone? Happy holidays. They're upon us. We doing it. I'm going to jump right on in there. Uh, my guest today is a returning guest uh, to the podcast and someone who I am really stoked to have come back on the show. Uh, for those of you that have uh, tuned in in the past, um, he was on episode 34, the 90s West Coast feel is back. That's my boy Tope. Uh, and if you want more context, you know, I'll we'll, the thing I'll say about this one, on the first episode we did together, we really, you know, dive into his story and his backstory coming up in Portland, being an MC, touring. If you want context, go back and check that one out. It's episode 34. Um, Tope is a music producer, uh, MC. He worked, he's worked as a hip hop promoter, um, but he's someone that's in the last year has just kind of blown up uh, in the hip hop scene. And he's been producing a lot of music for a lot of different rappers and MCs. But the, the thing that, I think he's most notable for is his creative collaboration with the artist known as La Russell, who is, for those of you who haven't checked out La Russell also, you guys got to go peep it. Amazing hip hop artist, putting Vallejo back on the map. Um, super talented and great message, great like business mind and just bringing a lot of creativity to a lot of spaces, every facet of his business. So Tope's been working with him and making some really amazing music. And I wanted to have him back on just to talk about what this year has been like, because it's been, it's been, uh, like a year and a half almost since we had him on. And I know a lot has changed for him. So we dive into all those dope topics, the dope tope topics. And, uh, this one was really fun and I'm just stoked to be having artists like this on the show. So thank you, Tope, for coming on. Um, you know, we go into in this episode a little bit more about, like I said, this last year and some really cool stories. I think there's even an E-40 story in there. Uh, and, you know, Tope was so generous with his time and so willing to kind of, you know, dive into the excitement. And that really came through for me. Uh, so I hope you experienced that as well. So without further ado, let me introduce to you my man Tope on this episode 63 of the Bartcast. Great to hear from you. What a surprise. <laughs> the water, yo. The water's on our side, yo. We're running with the water. It's the best. Posture cast. Literally, these chairs are putting us to the challenge. No, no slouching. Can't these, be no slouches today. These chairs are putting us to the challenge. <clears throat> it's good though. I feel like uh, 
They're kind of podcasty chairs. Yeah. Like, a little bit. I feel like Rogan kind of started that. The whole, like, because he, remember a couple years ago seeing him talk about, like. His posture. He stopped having backs on his podcast chairs. Oh, okay. And he was, you know, how he's, like, just always trying to optimize every aspect of his workflow. And he's just, like. Okay. He probably just figured he's spending so many hours every day. You can kind of strengthen your back that way or whatever. Just by actually work. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever tried to sit like cross-legged for an extended period of time? Uh, I would, the other day they were, we were doing like a podcast with the Russell and they were like cross-legged and I was like, I'm just sitting straight. I can't, (laughs) I'm not about to go there with you. I don't think I wore the right type of pants to my pants. I I didn't realize they were as tight as they were Uh until I sat down in that position. I was like, this isn't happening. Yeah. These are much more comfortable. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. The, like my last two episodes, we did cross-legged, mm-hmm. and man, the, you start to feel it in the your hips. hips. Yeah. Oh, like, my hips are a trouble spot. Yeah. You, you don't realize how key the stretching of the hips is till you get older. It's kind of tied towards like so many aspects of exercise and fitness, and like me and my brother did this yoga retreat over the summer. That was like the thing we both noticed, like, oh, our hips are, you know, tight. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, the, it's funny, too, because, like, I feel like the, there's a lot of emotion that gets stored in hips. That's what people say. Like, I had, yeah. like, last year I did, I've been on this yoga retreat thing every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did one, and I got, like, a Thai massage. Okay. You ever had one of those Mm-mm. before? Like, oh, is it, like, a hard massage kind of? That's more, like, deep tissue. Okay, yeah. That's kind of what I was expecting. But Thai is more, like they like do adjustments okay and it was like this this uh this girl who was working at the retreat center and it was like she was like doming me almost like she had like my legs up (laughs) and i was like oh i don't know how i feel about this position you know it's crazy in a very vulnerable place right for sure uh but she did this one thing Like, and all of a sudden I just started like weeping. Really? And it was like, it was like from zero to a hundred all of a sudden. She just like clicked this one thing in my hip and it was just like this Damn. waterworks. Like a release? Just a huge release. Wow. And then, uh, and she was like, oh, that's so sweet. You know, and then uh, she's like, I want to try one more thing. And she like did this other thing and like tapped me on the chest. Uh-huh. And I just started laughing. Like, Damn. Uncontrollably like. Interesting. Yeah, it was wild. That sounds cool though. Yeah. It was like some water bending elemental. Okay. Know, power. I, I, I like it. <laughs> I like it. But but the yeah the hips, uh, I found like especially with yoga, all those like yoginis that are doing the crazy contortionist. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of those positions, I'm like, why can't I ever do those? Starts with the hips. Starts with the hips. Totally. Just like Chubb said, you know, hey, it's, all it's all in the, the hips. hips. Exactly. Dude, exactly. what's up? What's up, Tope, dude? Man, here we are. Number two. Dude, good to have you back, man. Yeah, bro. Definitely. I feel like it's been about a year. Yeah, probably like, let's see, probably like almost a year and a half almost. Cause I I would just want to gauge it by we we were it, Marlin Seven wasn't out, I think, when we did the first podcast. We were kind of still talking about the project dropping. Mm-hmm. But Marlin Seven hadn't dropped, so yeah, about a year and a half. Right before that. What a year and a half it's been for you, Man, huh? incredible. <laughs> yeah, really crazy. It's felt like about five. Yeah. It's felt like a, a long year and a half. So much has happened. So much growth. Lightspeed. Yeah. Yeah. When it happens, it happens. You yeah. You know, like that's something I experienced. Like, hey, be ready. 
mm-hmm. be ready for that moment because when it happens, you might only happen once. Those right. opportunities might they come quick. You know, yeah. I saw something today that was like, be make sure you're ready for the opportunities you're praying for. Mm. You know, and like especially as a producer, like stay ready. Hell yeah. Yeah, keep your keep your uh sword sharp. Yeah, you're. It's like uh, you know, if you're if you're Damian Lee in the fourth quarter and you haven't played yep it's time to hit a three bro you gotta come off the bench and hit that three (laughs) or else it's back to the bench for sure for sure there's this uh you know alexandra dumas Uh uh-uh oh did he play no he's not a player oh okay okay. he's like a a, a, a 19th century french author okay he Uh wrote like uh Three Musketeers, okay. uh, Count of Monte Cristo, Man in the Iron Mask. Does he play for like the, the famous sons? like uh, <laughs> black author from uh, from like the France in the eighteen okay. hundreds? Okay, incredible writer. Uh, I reread Count of Monte Cristo this summer. Okay, it's a, I highly recommend it to anyone. It's like one of the great novels. Yeah, and there was this line that I highlighted from it because it really stuck out to me, which was. Uh, Luck favors the, the practiced mind mm-hmm. or the prepared mind, mm-hmm. which I think kind of speaks to what you were just saying, right? Yeah. Like, you don't necessarily know what you're preparing for, but if you're preparing, yeah, like we see these people that, that grind every day and it's like you do everything on your end and, and it does seem like, you know, what we call luck, that, that mm-hmm. some element of that is, is preparing for. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I agree with that. I had this... Uh, I had this kind of epiphany realization aha moment this week, you know, because a lot of uh, a lot of my favorite artists right now are are comedians. Okay. And if you listen to a lot of comedian podcasts, comedy podcasts like myself, one of the like underlying themes that they always talk about is like it's like ten years of suffering. Yeah. You know, like you got to go through hell for for ten years. And then maybe you start to things start to happen, mm-hmm. and a lot of them, you know, they started their podcasts like 10, 15 years yeah, ago. For sure, they've been grinding, and like now they're getting to live out and be in this fun zone. Yeah, and I think in the beginning of the dream phase, whatever your art is, we're we, we're like mentally trying to live in that like success that 10 zone already, that right? Tent, right. Yeah. Uh, but. And then when it's not happening, it can be heartbreaking or it can For be sure. hard. Or, uh, but I just got this feeling this week of like, man, like, you know, I don't know if this, what we're doing right now, if this is the thing mm-hmm. in 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. But like, like you were just saying, I feel like I'm preparing. Yeah. You know, it's like wherever culture moves, like I'm seeing all these people that were doing their work, trying to make it in one avenue of professional crea- creatorship. Mm-hmm. And then the culture shifted and they were like uniquely positioned to slide into that next, know, whatever that next was. Yeah, definitely. New opportunities. I agree with that. I mean, my end, like this, this year is my 15th year of my first album, but I was, you know, I was making music before then, but my first actual release into the music world is like 15 years. You know what I'm saying? So that 10 year thing is like, I probably I probably messed around for five years. You know what I'm saying? Right. I was yeah, yeah. I wasn't focused or I was thinking about quitting for a year or two or a sure. move, you know, all this stuff. But man, that testament of that 10, 15 years, ten thousand hours, fifteen thousand hours, whatever it is, like I'm totally a believer in that because I've gone through it and I went through every single different phase of 
oh, this is amazing. Oh, I'm going to quit. Oh, I'm going to do it. You know what I'm saying? I went through all of it, like all those. 10,000 failures. Man, bro, a lot of them. A lot of them on the way here. A lot of successes too, you know. Mm -hmm. I feel like I was always blessed like from the beginning where people took my music serious, but along the journey, a lot of ups and downs, you know, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. When do you think you really started to take your music serious? Um, Man, probably, that's probably like right after my mom passed away when I was like 19. And I was kind of like messing around with music and I knew that it was something that I loved to do and was a hobby, but I was kind of scared to, uh, it was right around that time when I had graduated high school and I was scared to go to college for music. Like I wanted to be an audio engineer, but I was nervous about choosing that as a career path because everyone's, oh, don't go into music, music, this, this, you have to do something else. So um, I was kind of like, you know, teetering back and forth. But when my mom passed away, there was a few months I didn't make music. Then music became like this resource of like peace. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? The only time I wasn't in pain or thinking about it was when I was making music. So that kind of like pushed me to do it. And then my mom was always like a believer in my music. Even in my earliest inclinations of wanting to do music, my mom was like, do it. You're going to be amazing. You're going to be famous. Like she would say that stuff real early. So um, when she passed away, it was kind of like a click, like, yeah, I think I am going to do this, you know, and like took it serious from there and started recording and working towards that goal of putting out a, a project, you know, which, which came uh, in 2007. Yeah. Yeah. When you look back at it now from this vantage point, especially after this last year of like, I think you could say meteoric success in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, when you sit down and make something, you know, how does it, how has that perspective changed? Like, you know, I was thinking about this, that this morning as I was getting ready to come over here, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the work, you know, as I am early in this phase in my, in my, uh, in my journey of creation, you're like creating things to send out into the void, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm, I was just curious, now that you've seen kind of the void speak back, yeah, has that changed your process when you're making art? I think, yeah, for sure. I think in the fact of just believing in myself and, and like hearing people reciprocate that they liked what I was doing, you know what I'm saying? And then that being giving you more confidence to create. But also I feel like at the beginning stages, it was create. It was um, experimenting. You know, not necessarily knowing what I was doing, but wanting to do something and figuring out it along the way. Like maybe sit down with a sample back then and not exactly know how I was gonna flip it, but something came out. And now I think I have a little bit more of a idea of what exactly I want to do and then how to execute it. And I think that's just getting better as a musician and kind of understanding music a little bit more. But yeah, like um, I remember the first couple times of just going viral on Twitter. It was really, um, it was really encouraging because I was like, "Dang, people like my music," and it, it was encouraging to wake up and make more music. So I'm like, "Dang, people like people really like this." You know what I'm saying? They like the beats. They keep going viral. You know, so um, that was that was a great inclination because I felt like for so many years I was fighting against the tide of just trying to get people to hear it. Hey, bro, listen, like, I promise you, this is dope. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So um, once you get to that point where people are, you can pretty much, like, put something out and people are like, man, I, 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 
of it. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's for me it was encouraging to make more music and just kind of help build my confidence. Yeah, and you feel that energy when you sit down at the workstation. Like yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm I'm curious. Like, are you still working a lot off samples? Like, what's your kind of how Not often is really. it like a sample? Or are you making your own? Yeah, most stuff from is scratch? from scratch. I would say like, um, probably seventy five percent of the stuff I make is like composed, and then I and then I use loops too. But it'll be like a loop that my friend made, or a loop that I got off a of splice, or something like that. But like sample samples where I say I take an Al Green song or a Marvin Gaye song, I almost never do anymore because of um, licensing and stuff like that. Like it's easier for me to just work with royalty free stuff. So mm -hmm. I don't even have to worry about it on the back end. Like recently we had the placement um, with Thursday Night Football through Amazon and it's like, it's so easy because there's nothing to clear, right? You know, right. before I even I'd even licensed some stuff before and just signed off on it, and it was a sample, and I'm like, I hope yeah. they don't hear it, right? Right, <laughs> exactly. So now just kind of covering our tracks, and that's something that, that I kind of have um, been doing with La Russell, but it's also just like kind of uh, now I just do it with almost every artist just for the sake, the ease of creation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and, and getting more comfortable with composing and making stuff from scratch, like the freedom of um making stuff from scratch is dope because i know you know i know what key i'm in i know exactly what i can play i i know what works what you know it, other than sometimes kind of guessing with a sample or trying yeah. to figure it out by ear a little more challenging how does it what's that process like like if if possible like if you can articulate it like where do you think your ideas come from um that's a good question uh, uh Sometimes other music, sometimes movies, sometimes um, just the energy of like what we're feeling. Like I feel like we want to do some more up-tempo stuff or I feel like I want to do some more moody stuff, you know, kind of kind of based on how I'm feeling too. You know, sometimes I feel like turned up and want to make some high energy stuff. Sometimes I want to make some more chill and soulful stuff. Mm -hmm. And I feel like those are my two extremes. <laughs> and it's really kind of, I really just kind of go based off tempo. Okay. And then feel from there because I feel like a lot of my stuff has a very, has a soulful feel, core, bass, stuff like that. But um, it really depends on do I want to go with 97 BPMs or do I want to go with 80 BPM, you know, mm -hmm. something like that of just finding my BPMs of energy. Yeah. And then the key, you know, what key I'm playing and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. Do you usually start with a melody or is there a particular <clears throat> like, uh, instrument or something that you're usually like laying yeah groundwork on? i usually always start with an electric piano and okay. chords like um some sort of electric piano or a pad and then i start with like a chord progression i've been finding myself like in, in a lot of like minor ninths and like minor seventh chords have been my go-to um from there and then um the chords and then the bass line and then drums and then like a top line melody is usually kind of my uh evolution of How you stack it? of the beat yeah yeah so chord bass definitely uh, um and a lot of my and a lot of my beats oh yeah yeah um with working with tope does he are you usually coming to him with the beat is he asking you for uh, like working with La Russell. Vibe. Sorry, did I say Tope? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> working with La Russell. Uh, <laughs> working with Tope. You're always working with Tope. Yeah. Um, what's that process been like, especially as things have picked up this year? 
Yeah, we're um, our process of music making has definitely changed from the beginning. Like the be Marlon Seven, we kind of chipped away at it, and I'd send them a beat as I was making it. Now I kind of um, will have a batch of beats. I might like have a bunch of stuff that I know is kind of done or ready, and I just kind of wait for him to ask me to press play. Mm. You know, I, most of the time we'll we'll just hang out and not do music. We might hang out, you know, four times, and then the fifth time I come over, he might say. You been cooking? And I'm like, you know, I've been cooking, bro. You know, I got some. And, and I usually I usually won't bring it up. You know, even if I have something I know he's going to love, I've kind of realized now, like, it's just about the timing. When he when he's ready to create, again, back to that, stay prepared. Like, when LaRussell's ready to create, I know I got to have um, five to six beats on ready because mm -hmm. he's ready to create. Yeah. He's ready to... Play another one, play another one, you know? And that's been our process this year has been in bulk. Like we don't make music, we've only made music maybe five or six days this entire year, but we've dropped uh, four albums or five <laughs> albums, you know what I'm saying? But we've just been knocking them out. And that's also kind of, I think, based on his schedule. Like sometimes we'll go to LA and make a project in a day or something like that. Cause he's got a lot going on, mm -hmm. you know? Like he doesn't necessarily have the time to make music all the time like he's got business and family and a ton of performances and tour and right everything going on i was on. like when does that fool sleep yeah you know? <laughs> i don't think he doesn't sleep much he doesn't sleep much like i i know firsthand on the road yeah. like we'll come home from the studio at like two and be like all right uh we gotta be meet at the lobby at six we're gonna leave at 6 30 for the next interview i'm like sheesh yeah yeah that's it's grinding that's impressive for sure um Man, I had a question I wanted to ask you, but it just flipped out of my head. Um, with, uh, oh yeah, do you, uh, when you're showing them the beats, do you ever do like the Timbaland thing where you like have like two or three that are like. They say pick one. No, well, he, no you like, you have the one that you really want, but you kind of delay it. In oh yeah, way. yeah, 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 for sure. I did that with days like this. Like I knew <laughs> I had, cause I had sent him one and then he was like, pull up to the crib. But I knew I had like four, three or four in the tuck. And then I think um, like I played like 10s, 20s was probably the third beat. And then Cisco was like the fourth one, but I was kind of just waiting like, I got some more. Yeah, I, I yeah. got something for you. <laughs> I got, and then sometimes I just be like, when it's, the, I'll just play the intro and I'll just be like, uh -huh. just wait till these drums come in. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, uh, you. I'm sure you've seen it, like the famous Timbaland the, the video. Oh, that's my favorite. That's might my, have even talked about it on the last podcast. That's my uh, the black uh, fade to black. That's the documentary. Yeah. That's my favorite music documentary. And those scenes specifically, like Kanye scenes and then Timberland scenes, are some of the motivation for me being a producer for oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, those moments and those are those are the best moments in the studio. That's why it's it's more fun to pull up in the studio and make music with people other than emailing because of that energy and the you know, the back and forth. And I think just better music comes out that way. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I mean, and you get to play the role of the presenter, right? You're totally. like, check out my art. Totally, you know? and, yeah. And that's a good, that's a fun time for the produ for the producer, you know, like yeah. seeing everyone. My my favorite thing is, is uh, making a beat in the studio and seeing everyone's reaction and then just dapping everyone up. And like, <laughs> I told you. Like yeah. I went and did this writer's camp the other day and it was just like, I almost went just for the satisfaction of knowing I was going to walk in the room and make some heat and then just like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, what's up? 
It was so much fun. What's a writer's camp? Um, so there was like uh, 20, like maybe, nah, maybe um, 15 artists, uh, all different type of artists, singers, rappers, um, producers, engineers, um, you know, uh, instrumentalists. And we had like two rooms in Berkeley. Shout out to Marquito and Casey Cope. It's called Camp with a Q. And um, there's two rooms and then it's just kind of like who's ever cooking up and everything is collaborative. So it's, uh, you know, I walk into one room and start making a beat and then someone's, oh, I got a hook, oh, I got a verse. And we all just kind of collaborate on it and just see what we make in that time. Knowing you don't come with anything pre-prepared, you make everything on the spot. And it's just kind of like seeing where people fit in. You know, this is my second year doing it with camp and it's been a cool experience of like, uh, meeting a lot of new Bay Area artists that I wasn't um, familiar with before. And then just like some really fun practice for me to just get in the studio, make beats live and engineer, and then also kind of like vocally produce the song as well. It's, right. it's really dope. Oh, they yeah. do it for like three days. It's like a whole weekend. I usually end up pulling up for like one day and kind of locking in, but um, it's really fun. Yeah. That's, what a cool way to meet new artists. Yeah. yeah work on your craft yeah like every time the both times i've i've met five or six new artists that were just gems in the bay area that i had no idea who they were before and and like kind of in a different scene than me you know so it was cool to just collaborate and kind of put our sounds together oh yeah yeah wanted to ask you like you know you've been part of this crazy movement out of leo mm -hmm. and you know i think that it's funny because I keep running into uh, like La Russell fans. Yeah, you know their homies. Guess I'll have on or oh, you're into La Russell. You know, it. I ran into his sister at the at the herbal shop the other day Beautiful. a couple times and dropped your name and stuff. I love and, her. Yeah. Uh, and you know, so I think that w part of the power of La Russell as an artist, yeah, is in the way the big picture thinking, how he thinks about his brand, mm -hmm. his marketing business structure mm -hmm. i'm curious you know as you are building your own the taupe label the taupe brand mm -hmm. like has that informed has that influenced how you yeah are thinking about building your business yeah for sure i think la russell is one of those people it's hard to be around him and not be inspired and he's also one of those friends that's like he's working so hard that it makes you want to get up and work you know but just seeing how he did it i think i think one of the biggest takeaways from the Russell, um, for any artist and for myself too, like I said, 15 years in the game is mm -hmm. that you don't have to do any of the weird shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. rappers do the weirdest shit to get on. <laughs> right, right. And the Russell is proving the point that you don't have to do any of it. All you have to do is work really hard, put out really dope music, be yourself, be a good person, include your friends, build with your community. Like, and those aren't, the craziest things they, they seem like they should be real obvious you know mm -hmm. but rappers will do everything but that right you know so that's also shown me like bro the realness just this work just and i feel like I, maybe i've talked less this year but it's like man just shut up and work mm -hmm. and just do the do the work there's you don't have to do the gimmicks and the fake this and the fake that and the fake just just work bro like there's so many situations i've seen the russell just like pass on the clout and just do the work you know and that's been a learning experience for me and being like just trying to build my brand you know yeah. and um and just do it in a genuine way 
you know. That that's the sequel to go get that bag is shut up and work. Shut up and work. <laughs> shut up and do the work. Okay, I could hear that. I could hear that hook. Yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> it's probably I feel like it is a lyric already. <laughs> that's great though. I mean yeah. I do think that you know, and it seems like you're living in this moment, you get to that uh they're you know part of the the arc the artist arc right is like the you're like sisyphus you're pushing the boulder up the hill mm-hmm. and it keeps rolling back on you you got to keep pushing it up yeah. and then there's a point at which gravity kind of takes over helps you a little bit it starts to pull it a little bit yeah but then you got to start running to keep up a little for bit, sure right? like, yeah yeah it's just the more serious the situation is it's got to you know like it's 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 a job now mm-hmm. it's a business now um the world is watching those type of things where it's like, okay, well, let's let's uh, tighten up the bootstraps and, <laughs> and go to work. You know what I'm for saying? Sure. But that's what we that's what we asked for. That's what we prayed. We prayed to be in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can't be scared of the ball when you're in the game. I love that. You know, how have you found that you've had to get more organized about setting aside time to create now? That hundred percent. Because I could see it being like. I just want to hang all the time. I want yeah. to go like live off the fruits of my labor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that really helped me was just reorganizing my project list this year and reorganizing my whiteboard of, um, I have on my whiteboard, I have projects that I'm like kind of locked into or that I've agreed to do. And then I have like beat packs that people have asked for that I owe. So, um, and it's right, you know, it's right in the other room. So when I'm walking by through my kitchen, I'll see it. Or when I'm at my computer watching basketball, I see <laughs> it. And it's helped me kind of focus more on who I need to produce for and getting people beats for their projects and stuff. Like, I'm not joking. Like, every beat I made this year is probably on a project. Like, there's not very many beats I made that are just on my laptop. Like, everything has gone out to somebody, you know, like, mm. probably... 90% of the beats I made this year are like placed somewhere, wow. you know? So, um, and I have more and I'm still behind. Like I have like a big list of projects right now. And then the La Russell stuff is uh, never ending too. So we're constantly working on a project like that, that never stops. So just um, this year I've learned to just stay consistent and like something clicked probably about halfway through the year where I just got in the zone and I just find myself making beats every week, you know, I just find myself at the computer knocking out stuff, no matter, even if we just dropped a project, the next day I'm in the studio or I'll have a project drop and it'll drop and I'll be in the studio with an artist or something like that. Like I've just been working this year, like really treating it like a job, Mm -hmm. like Monday through Friday, I'll almost have sessions or interviews booked. And then the weekend I'll take off and um, try and have a little free time or whatever but monday through friday i'm working on music yeah what are your peak productive hours yeah that's a great question um i would say like five to ten for some reason i'm not like a wake up and make beats type of guy Mm -hmm. i'm like a wake up and um uh watch espn drink coffee (laughs) uh clean my apartment uh do my dishes make some food then smoke some weed and sit down then you know like uh (laughs) yeah i'm like a later in the type of guy i'm like when the when it gets starts to get dark that's when i usually sit down and start to make beats and kind of get have my second my evening cup of coffee and then start to get creative that's usually my time like five to ten eleven last night Mm -hmm. I was up till two and I just like, it was one of those things where I've made a beat and then I 
accidentally made another beat afterwards and I looked at the thing. I'm like, oh, that's 1.30. I got to go to sleep, mm-hmm. you know. I've been trying not to stay up. I used to do that where I'd stay up all night. And um, I just kind of realized, like, I got too much stuff going on the day to, like, sacrifice a whole next day. So Yeah, and you're locked in the long game now. Like, yeah. you're now it's more about tuning for sustainability because you've got to the what you're doing is working right yeah so exactly like, keep the wheels on the car yeah find out how to be the most it's also like what well, another reason why I, I don't drink is just like hangovers like i can't give a whole day away like i, I literally have too much stuff going on right mm-hmm. now where i can't give a day and definitely can't give away two days you know you <laughs> hangover start getting serious right yeah, <laughs> right when i started hitting the two-day hangovers i'm like nah bro yeah. i can't drink it's yeah. over for me for sure you got yours. Is there like somewhere a secret vault that's the beats you set aside for Taupe for your triumphant? You know, it's so MC return. You know, it's so funny. All those beats that I had in the Taupe vault went on Marlin Seven. Okay, those were the beats. Like when I put when I first met LaRussell, he's like, "Play me the ones you really love." Yeah. And so literally, like North Vallejo Tales, a bunch of those gaining speed, a bunch of those beats were like. Oh, I might rap on these one day type beats. Mm-hmm. And then that also helped me find me and the Russell's chemistry. Cause I'm like, he loves the stuff I love. Right. So all I got to do is make the stuff that I love. And then, you know, we're going to have success or whatever, but um, no, there isn't any, which is a surprise <laughs> answer. Probably like uh-huh. um, there isn't one beat that I have on hold for myself. Everything is out to everyone else right now you know and i had i think there might be a couple beats that i i'm like i could put this on my instrumental tape that's my focus right now is an instrumental tape but um as far as like a taupe rap tape i I don't yeah there is just haven't had the spark you know i just haven't had the i love what i'm doing right now and i don't Mm want to take anything away from it so um do you yeah. still write? Have you been writing at all? I will time? help write. I will write in a session with other artists. Okay. Like I'll contribute, but writing a full song I haven't done in years. And I think that's also part of the um, fear of writing or just the, 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 the like intimidation factor of getting back into it is like, I don't even know if I know how to ride the bike anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, just as recently, like in a session with LaRussell and Pilo, like I helped write the hook on the song that's going to come out that's going to be pretty big. And um, when I'm working with other artists, I I'm almost always um, help write or a bar here or something something there, here and there or whatever. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I kind of view, at least in my life, like songwriting – has been like a, the, the metaphor I use is like a battery mm-hmm. and sometimes it takes me five years to charge the battery totally and then I'll get like one sick song yeah I'm not like a volume producer mm-hmm. but I have to be like in this state for the meaning like I did a oh man it's probably been about five years but I did a verse you know I haven't written any rap songs in a long time but I did a verse with my boys on a mixtape that my homie shout out soul doc came out. It was years ago. Yeah. But yeah, like, yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I shared it with you and it was such a dope beat. I forget who made the beat, but it was like, I got very inspired and, and it just flowed. And yeah. it's like, I'm very, I'm still very proud of that one. I was like, that represents like what I want to say as an MC and mm-hmm. like the vibe I'm not trying to be like a pro or do anything, but like, I like how I like making art, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
I just listened to it again the other day because I've, I've been kicking it with my boy Cyberclops. I had another dope producer based here in the Bay. Dope. He's been doing a lot more engineering, but uh, but he was like a touring rapper for years and it was just cool. He's, my two boys that I grew up with and hearing our distinct styles, like yeah. both of them like really like lifted the flag of MC and were like putting a lot of energy in their lives into performing okay. and, and, you know, holding that identity and uh, they're both white guys too. So like going through that process of being like the white dude on stage rapping, <laughs> right, right. Uh, whereas I'm just kind of this schmuck who rolls into the studio <laughs> and I'm like, yo, I got a, I got a verse. Right, right, Here we right. go. Like, you know, take it as you will. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it was fun, man. And it, and it, I don't know if you're this way, but like, it's like, Every time I get into an, a style of art that I really that really speaks to me, mm-hmm. the first response is like, "Could I do it? Mm. Like, can I do that? Like, yeah. what would it look like if I was to create in this sphere? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and and I can't talk to an artist without like even hearing you talk about beats. I'm like, right? Should I go back? I wonder if I can make right, right, <laughs> right. I, bust, right. I got a Nord. Should I bust the Nord out? Should yeah, I, you know, like yeah. Cause I remember I'm, you know, I've had fun. I bought an MPC, you know, I've, right. I've made some slappers in my day, totally. but, you know, it's, but that's what, that's what the role is, right. Is you're, you're making your art, you're putting it out there, you're succeeding mm-hmm. and then you're inspiring. Right. That's yeah. the, the, um, that's the, uh, what is it? The J Cole line. It's like, you've been inspired by the world. Now let the world be inspired by you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's what those type of messages are crazy. I've gotten a lot of those this year. I got like a, this little kid was like playing piano and his dad's like, who do you want to grow up to be like? And he's like, don't fall. <laughs> I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was cool. I've gotten a lot of those messages this year. And then also like sharing, um, some of the behind the scenes content, you know, with uh, how I made the beat and behind mm-hmm. the beat and stuff like that. So many people have hit me up and be like, man, I tried this on my beat and it worked and I'm still trying to figure out how you did this or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, which is cool because that's how I learned. Right. And um, that's how I got better. So I wanted to just, you know, I'm, not, I'm still not the best producer in the world, but I know how to make what I make, you know. Yeah. So just sharing those tips for people, you know, um, has been rewarding just to see people actually engage with it and pick up traits and and inspire producers because i'm i've always been one of those people like if i could do it you could do it you know it took me i had to really study for a long time i was never a naturally like amazing musician i came from a family of musicians but i don't think any of this came exactly naturally like i put a lot of work into it so i I, that's one of my messages that i've always wanted to have to other people is like you can do it, Brad. Ten, you know, back to the 10,000 shots, 10,000 yeah. hours. Like, you can do it. If you really want to do it, study and stay dedicated, and you'll start seeing the improvement, like, for sure. Yeah, that it's it's amazing just, <coughs> you know, how elastic productivity is. Mm-hmm. And I think that in the early stages of, of building any great project, any great work, you there's a lot of downtime mm-hmm. to, to produce mm-hmm. as i'm sure you're familiar with i know i am I but that. like when you're able to keep a regular pattern yeah uh when you get your the discipline system together mm-hmm. then the only like real factor is time right that's the yeah. x like if you're doing it once a week mm-hmm 
I mean, it's better to like to do it once a week for a year than to do it like one month, very like, you know, every two days or, you know, like, yeah, for sure. There's a, there's something about that regularity that, uh, when you lock into a system and you can refine it. And I think that, you know, that continuous effort, uh, then the only factor is time and opportunity and those yeah. do come. Right? Yeah. 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 The more resources that you're gathering in around you, uh, you know, I know that that's been this with this project. I've had so many doors open just because of conversations like this or yeah. people are like, I want to work with you or yeah. I saw your podcast. Like, what's up? What do you, you know, let's talk, let's chat. Uh, I got like, this is episode 63. I got 63 conversations. Right. And some of those have turned into really cool collaborations and connections. And it's not that I'm thinking about that every time I go in, but you know, it's the metaphor I like is like, I have many doors open that mm-hmm. people can walk through mm-hmm. to, to interact with me, to collaborate with me. Yeah. And you know, the work is in, you know, keeping those doors open and making the room smell nice when they get through it, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, I'm, yeah, and I'm a firm believer of, like, the only ones who, who lose are the ones that don't quit, you know what I'm saying? Or or the only ones who, wait, maybe I maybe twisted that around. <laughs> the ones who, you know what I'm saying? The, the ones who can't lose. Yeah, are the ones who didn't quit, and yeah. the, or the ones who did lose are the ones who quit, you right. know what I'm saying? And yeah. it's like... You just gotta stay, stay with it. You know what I'm saying? It gives your. It's like playing the lottery in a sense. The more you, even that might not not be the best um, uh, metaphor, but the more chances you play the lottery, the more chances you have to hit. Yeah. You know, it's the same with hooping. The more you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Hundred percent, bro. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's what I should have said in the beginning. <laughs> That's. But that that begs the question, right? Because I know in my professional career, with videography, there's certain jobs I've had to walk from. Mm-hmm. Like, because I spent so long trying to figure out what my thing was. Yeah. And when I finally found an art, a project, a, a medium where I'm like, I want to do this for a living. Oh, yeah. And I fell in love with it. Now I treat it like a, like a relationship, like a mm-hmm. partner where mm-hmm. I'm like, I got to be like fiercely protective of yeah. getting into dynamics that are going to make me not love the work or not yeah. love the art. I'm curious if you've had that as part of your experience man great question i had a very successful group in portland that was me and two other artists and um i have walked away you know and a lot of people questioned that at the time and um you know we probably would have been big had we stayed together but it was something that uh, it was a decision i had to do inwardly and a decision i had to be honest with myself about the love of the group and the, how much fun i was having making music with these people and I took a huge step back when I did that. You know, my solo music was still going, but as far as like the trajectory of our group and even it was a split between some of our friends and stuff. But that decision led me to where I'm at today. You know, and as difficult as it was, I also had to eventually take a second and stop and be like, am I enjoying this? Do I love this? Is the success worth this other feeling that I have, you know what I'm saying? And that's something that even to this day is very important to me, like respect and happiness and 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 all those other things over the money or the success or the perceived popularity. I'll step away again if I have to, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Because also with the confidence of knowing I'll do it again as well, I'll step away from this and do something else again and be successful at it because that's how much I believe in myself. And um. That was also like with my move to Portland. Like I was, 
I had a great life in Portland and was performing and doing all this and had to step away in order to grow and do what I'm doing now. And I didn't even see it at the time. You know, if there were years I was like, man, I think I made the worst decision. I think I should have stayed in Portland. My life was so dope. And then it wasn't till, you know, last year that it clicked and I, I, I made the right decision. You know, like this, um, what I'm experiencing now, I wouldn't have ever experienced in Portland mm -hmm. if I hadn't had taken that leap and moved to the Bay and done all this stuff and taken the trips out to Vallejo and all this stuff. You yeah. know, it all happened for a reason. So it was difficult in the time, but looking back, I know I made the right decision because I made the decision that my heart needed to make, not success or what other people thought I should make or the perception of it. I knew in my heart the way I felt about it and it led to be a great decision. That's beautiful. Yeah. Do you have activities that are expressly non-musical that you make sure you have in your schedule <laughs> to kind of like recharge your your tanks you know not a ton but i would say like my m one thing like my plant collection for sure is yeah. like something you know that um is is like something that's different than music but brings me joy and mm -hmm. like brings me satisfaction and kind of this weird thing i didn't know that i loved like plants and just this the evolution of plant life and that type of stuff and then sports is also just like something that's, you know, mindless, like watching football or basketball or even hooping a little bit more this year, which is was my first love. You know, basketball was my first love before anything. Um, so getting back to those type of things that like just having fun, you know, riding my bike was a huge inspiration for Marlon 7. I haven't been riding my bike as much, but it's a goal to work out and ride my bike some more too, just like on the health aspect. But, um, and I would say my relationship with my girlfriend as well is like another thing that is very um, grounding and recharging and it's very separate from music. Like we just, I appreciate uh, the relationship we have and, and just that it's different than everything I have going on with music. Mm. Yeah. Nice oasis. Blessing. Yeah. yeah blessing for sure. That's what's up. How many tracks have you made this year, dude? Whew. Like released or like just. Yeah. Or like put out. Yeah. Like um, well, I put out five out five full projects four with uh, four with La Russell and one with Pricey, my homie in Portland. Then I have another project that's done with an artist uh, in San Jose, L. James. And I'm probably about halfway done with a project uh, from this rapper Stoney in Oakland and then uh, we just f finished the last song for another project for this artist from San Francisco, B3. So uh, about eight projects. And then there's like a whole bunch of loose stuff too. Like I've been working with just like the, the writer's camp thing and been working with um, uh, just a whole bunch of handful of different artists on singles and stuff like that and selling beats. I would say... It's probably close to like around a hundred tracks, probably like released this year, but I would say maybe more closer to like 150 or something compiled. Wow. There'll be weeks when I'll add three or four unreleased songs just to my unreleased batch, you know, of like mm -hmm. having four or five sessions in a week, or there'll be a night when me and LaRussa will do five songs, you know, like the other night in LA, we did five songs in a session that are, that are unreleased right now that will eventually put out or whatever but ton of stuff that's crazy yeah just take a second and appreciate that you know? <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i um 
I just keep going, bro. Yeah. I just keep going. I haven't looked back too much. Um, even list like listening to my own music, I haven't done much. I just keep going and keep creating and keep just like I said, I'll I'll be I'll have an album release and I'll have to take a second from the session and be like, Oh, my album just dropped. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, I'll yeah, be yeah. in the studio <laughs> or I'll get a message or something. Like I was working on um this is gonna be name drop, but I was working on a Jeremy Lin commercial. And I was kind of frustrated because it was like something different. It was just like different. And um, they had asked me to kind of like really score this commercial, which was something different than I than I was used to doing. And I was kind of frustrated and um, just going through the third or fourth revision or whatever of the commercial. And I looked down and like I have a DM from Isaiah Thomas and I'm like, oh. and he's like, man, we listen to your music every single day. And I'm like, Oh, this is so crazy. What is life? You know, I'm like, I'm like, what is life? I'm working on this Jeremy Lin thing frustrated. And then I look down and I have a DM from IT and he's like, man, we slap your stuff every day, you know? So it was one of those like, uh, just, just interesting moments. A big yes from the universe. Right yeah. There. Yeah, definitely. Kind of like to piggyback on that. Um, you know, I know this year you got to do a track with E40. Yeah. And I just want you to take me through, you know, because I was, you're my friend. I, when I heard that, I was like yelling in my room, like, yeah, my boy Tom's doing it. Yeah. I'm a huge E40 fan. I grew up on, in a major way, it was a really important album for me. Yeah, it was like immediately when the Russell started writing the song, he's like, I'm getting 40 on this. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, we'll see. Yeah. Type of thing. And that was um we were working on Cook Together, Eat Together, and we were at Hitco, LA Reed's studio. So it was just legendary emotions at you know, going around. But that's that's pretty much how quick it happened. I said, I'm finished, I'm finna send this to 40. He sent it to him on a Friday, and we had um or like a Thursday, and we had the deadline for Sunday night, like all the we had only sent it to three people for features or whatever. It said all the features got to be in Sunday night at seven or whatever. And uh, I remember we were in LA. We were meeting with the Hitco people, playing them the album, but it didn't have the forty feature on it. And um, it was a it was a Niners game and it was a home game. And I'm like, we're not getting this first. <laughs> I'm like, forty's at the yeah, game, he's in right? The red and gold he's right at now. the game. Yeah. Like we're not. I'm like, dang man, we're not getting the verse. As we're leaving the Hitco meeting, we're like literally walking into the car. 40 calls the Russell and he puts him on speakerphone. He's like, hey man, don't drop without me. I'm sent I'm sending the verse tonight. He's like, he's like, whatever. He's like, don't he tells us, don't drop without me. He's like, I'm about to have my son record it and everything. Like he's like, I'm just gonna do it at the crib. Cause like, you know, I know yeah. that you're I know I'm up against the wall or whatever uh -huh. time. So he's like, uh he calls us or whatever. We're in the car still driving back. And he's like, I just sent the verse. Like, listen to it and let me know what you think. So we play the verse. And it was just like, we got all the like classic. First off, he shouts out, I love the, he's like, I love the beat. Yeah. And then he gave us like, ooh. And he yeah. gave us like all the like classic like 40 stuff. Then he flipped the, um, the, the chorus into some hillside, into a hillside shout out, which was just which was just dope, you know? And so we're like freaking out in the car, bro. I'm freaking out. I'm like, 40 on my beat. Yeah. Da, da, da. Then he calls the Russell back and uh, Russell puts him on speakerphone and he's like, uh, when you mix the song, make sure you send it back. Cause I like my verse to poke out like nipples. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I was like, this is really E-40. I'm like, he's really him 24-7. Yeah. Like, it's not like he puts on the verse or, like, starts, like, you, you know, saying the little isms. I'm like, ah, oh, it's 40. Like, it's yeah. really him. It's just him on the track. So yeah. literally that, the whole poke out like nipples is just, like, one of the phrases I'll never forget. That's yeah. something you write on a post-it and put above your monitor. Literally, when, when bro. So, yeah, dream come true. Like, E-40 was one of the first rappers I remember hearing one love on the box when i was a little kid and they played it all the time and that was one of the first hip-hop songs i fell in love with you know um and has just been a part of my life whether i knew it or not since i was five years old mm -hmm. you know 40 has just been this figure uh in my life and i uh still haven't met him but i know that day is eventually coming or whatever but just the chance to work with him you know i thank la russell for that because that was a bucket list that was one of those things where I never thought that would happen when I set out to make music. Like, I never was like, oh, yeah, one day I'm going to work with E-40. Like, that was never on my list of things to do. So it was pretty legendary. And the amount of time, you know, he sent it back within, like, three days mm -hmm. and, you know, just showed us a lot of love. It was Speaking great. about, you know, businessmen with, you know, many, many different projects going oh, on. Oh, yeah. Like, that dude is also goon in the spoon and he's got everything his, bro you know he's also i see him diversifying everything know, every day yeah people have told me like um the a the fact that he did that for you guys that quick meant a lot you know he doesn't do that for everyone so it uh it meant a lot and that's something that i'll always be i'll always be proud of yeah well yeah. i'm sure for you know for the ogs of the bay too like seeing new life oh yeah just seeing what what Russell is doing in Vallejo and putting yeah. it on the map again, bringing this appreciation, kind of giving the Bay Area yeah. a new music uh, culture to be proud of and to bump and totally. to see how it's, you know, like uh, filtering through the rest of the country. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, we got something to be, you know. Something like, to stay. Yeah. Yeah, that was like the energy when we met Sway. Sway was just like, the bang, we here. He's like, we here. You know, he's got his RL or else. Yeah. He's like, we here now. We up. Yeah. You know, we got one. You know, uh, it's pretty cool. And another moment, another cool moment for me this year was re-meeting the Grouch. You know, I had met him before. I'd actually opened up for the Grouch a couple times, but he probably, I don't think we ever met, mm -hmm. but re-meeting him and just being able to give him his flowers and tell him um, how much he inspired me to start rapping and start making my own music. And then he's like, man, we've been listening to Go Get That Bag the whole tour. He's like, that reminds me of my song, Simple Man. And for me, Simple Man was like a very inspirational song uh, that I, you know, probably downloaded off Napster or something and yeah, just yeah. listen to it over and over and over again. So it was a cool um, full circle moment on someone that really inspired me to like start this musical journey and like an independent artist and who um, just grinded it out. So it was cool to one, be able to give him his flowers and then two, kind of just hear that full circle that they had been listening to our music too, which Hell is dope. Yeah. yeah. Which is dope, especially cause like, <clears throat> I feel like the Grouch is like one of those dudes that like is so true to his form. Yeah. Like he makes music. He, like you can tell that he really has always been focused on music first. Yep. You know? Yep. I've been really. No matter what. This year I play, I listened to the my garden. Mm -hmm. Like I had that one on repeat because I just, the concept, the yeah. execution, some of the, some of his lines in that are like, 
some of my favorite lines in hip hop. Which isn't easy to do, yeah. you know. Like another artist, I you know, like another artist of my f- a favorite artist of mine that's done that and has received so much flack, like Dom Kennedy, you know. Mm. But he's done it his way this whole time. They've been independent successes, and those are the people that inspire me the most, you know. That have um, decade in the game, and they haven't done the weird, you know. Again, mm. they didn't have to do the weird shit. They just were them, you know, and they found and carved out their own success, you yeah. know, through, throughout all that. Makes me think of like how now during Warriors games, they, they're playing like a bunch of Andre Nicotina beats. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed that, mm-hmm. but I'm like, what? Yeah. Oh, Nicotina's it. Made it. It's like wild to hear like at like big Chase Center. It's for almost sure. kind of weird for me to hear right. like- The corporate stuff. Corporate like- stuff. And it's like, a Mac Dre song and I'm like yeah. you know what this song's about totally you know? like, totally it's so funny but it's also like just how far that you know that cult- culture has come hip-hop right. has, has come so far from um being banned to mm-hmm. now it's used in every advertising platform out there is a right. hip-hop or a trap beat or something you know it's so interesting yeah it's amazing how dominant when you think about modern American music mm-hmm. it's kind of like totally Hip hop or country, but even Almost, in country, you know, bro, you'll hear an eight oh eight. They have an eight oh eight, and they'll have hi hat rolls yeah. in country songs. Like it's so fascinating to me. Yeah, it's it, that that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm seeing Kia commercials with a totally, you know, that are all trapped out and totally. It's even the term trap is just so like now it's just thrown. Everything is trap. If, right. if it has a role in it, it's uh, trap. You know, it's so funny. Like even that term, but you know, it is what it is. It's the churn of the, you know, it's the melting pot of culture. Exactly. That we get to live in. I, it was cool to see you, uh, you know, this year start to get into like this content creation. I know you touched yeah. on it for a second um, with the, you know, doing the behind the scenes videos about your beats. Mm-hmm. What was the impetus behind that? Like what got you started? Uh, Lil Russell. Yeah. Yeah. We had just like, uh, conversations about content and, um, the ability to change your life. And, um, some of the conversations were like a little harsh, but it was meant, you know what I'm saying? Out of love. But Mm -hmm. it's like, if you have the opportunity to change your life, why would you just not post? You know what I'm saying? If, if you're a producer and you make dope beats, like, why would you not post a beat every day or every other day or show people what you're doing or you're you're doing all this dope stuff? Like, why not share it with people? You have the ability to change your life every day through social media or improve your life from mm-hmm. where it is. So um, some of those conversations and then again, just like becoming comfortable with myself. Like last year before Marlon 7, I got to this point where like, I didn't really want to be on camera or didn't feel comfortable or confident talking into my into my phone and all this type of stuff and I just kind of got over it you know like gaining more confidence in myself doing it more and thinking about it less you know like just putting out the content and then having it received well too was inspirational to do more but um it really came from the Russell pushing me you know and seeing his you know, he posts five six times a day he's constantly putting out content and working and I've seen how it's changed his life, you know, too. So um, having that opportunity, having that, having that fan base and that viewership and um, realizing he was right, 
Like, why would I not? I could post on social media. I can make the content at my mm-hmm. crib. I got all, I have everything I need. I have a camera on my phone. I have a tripod. I have this. I have lights, you know, so why not do it, you know? And that's just been kind of pushing myself as well. And I've seen, man, I've seen the results, you know? Oh, yeah. I've seen the results from even just, like, producers that I, um, well, not even to compare myself, but I've just seen the results of just putting in the work, you know, and what it's done for me and what it's done for my brand and even what I can do by doing more and improving that content. I'm always trying to, like, figure out a way to improve uh, my content and get it better and stuff like that. So it's been cool. It's, I had to push myself, though. It wasn't. It was something I was, like, weary about. And even after the success of Cook Together, Eat Together, all that, I still was on the fence, mm-hmm. you know. But I think it really just came down to, like, self-love and self and 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 confidence you know what i'm saying loving yourself throughout your flaws and being confident in yourself enough to put yourself out there and not care what anybody says or thinks about you oh yeah why am i tripping bro well and and also you know as much as our society likes to rag on like the gen c kids yeah one of the things that i the cultural tidbits of wisdom i've seen them really bring into this mass headspace is this love and celebration of the process Mm -hmm. like with content a lot of a lot of the content that's most successful these days is people like showing like i'm a work in progress i'm not perfect i'm not sewn up let me try to do this and you can learn through my efforts and find inspiration in my struggles you know like we grew up seeing only the finished product right totally. you know pre-internet yeah. yeah like i'm only seeing the dude that made it to the you know top studio for sure and, and as a young man like that can be daunting to be like man that's so far to reach 100 percent. but now you have people that are making their careers online by just being like i'm a mess today like, right but i'm here with you yeah you know? and like this is what trying to make a beat as a mess looks like. Totally, you know? totally. And I'm still trying to get to that point too of just really not caring about it, you yeah. know, just letting it go. Uh, I'll still kind of be like, oh, I need a haircut or something <laughs> like that, you know, like sure. I'm still thinking about it. But when you can really let go and be yourself, I think those are the times when people can most relate to you too, you know, because who's perfect every day? Nobody really for mm-hmm. the most part. So the more you can give your authentic self, I feel like the more people relate to it, you know, and that's just, that's also something I've been working on too, is just trying to give them, give them hope, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Be the person that I am, you know, share my personality with people and my creation. And those are, that's been my favorite type of content is that do it yourself, how to, how to do it, how to make it, how to, how to do this. And like I said before, that's how I learned, you know, like if it wasn't for me getting curious and wanting to make uh, Bryson Tiller type beats, I would have never started playing the piano and learning chords and all this type of stuff. I would just been sampling uh, soul and and funk for the forever, you mm-hmm. know, but it wasn't until getting curious and then being able to learn from other people too. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, that the uh, the like like the authenticity, you know, it, it's the theme these days, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I've been learning it in as I'm making videos like that makes me think about this project I had this year that was one of my biggest kind of breakthrough projects. I'm sitting in the edit bay, right? I have this I had two cameras 
and my wide shot, I just hate it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this looks terrible. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, like this was my safety shot, but I need to be able to cut between my camera in hand and what I have back here. And I'm like scratching my head. I'm like kind of stressing. I want it to be great. And, and I start to like experiment mm -hmm. and I start doing these like in editing, you can kind of like do a digital zoom. So mm. like you can like, you might have a shot that's far away, but you zoom in in post. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, and the cost that you pay is that you lose resolution, right? It might right. be a 4K or image or a 1080, but if you punch in four times, yeah, it's going to yeah. get more and more pixelated. And, you know, at first I'm doing it just like, ah, I got to do this. You know, like this is giving me, an, I can zoom in on, and get an angle I like, but it looks like shit. Yeah. To, to my eyes, right? Mm -hmm. And... So I kind of do a mock-up edit with that in it. And I, you know, I'm having my feelings about it. And I, I hit up my boy Lesh, big musician guy, Honey Drops. You know, he's my homie. Mm -hmm. I trust his opinion as an artist probably more than anyone's. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, can you, because he's in the video. Can you come over? Can you, let me show you this, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, And he watches it and he's like, I think like that those zoom in shots are cool, man. Like, yeah, yeah. like that, you should lean into that, you know? And it mm -hmm. just was like getting that like validation of it's okay from, from a friend Yeah, allowed me to then be like, Oh yeah. Like doesn't Wolfpack do this all the time in totally. their videos. And totally. like, I'm seeing like more and more people experiment with the low fi vibe. Yeah. And then once I did that, it was like a flip switched. i decided to make it a concept theme in the video. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my favorite shots became these like funky. That post zoom. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's only because we are living in this era that is not so obsessed with perfection, mm -hmm. high definition. That stuff is appreciated. Yeah. But there's almost like a, a broader palette of colors that we get to paint with, you know? I've noticed online, like, the more you kind of, um, the less you try and the more you just kind of let it fly, that's when shit takes off. Hmm. Like if I just post something like a beat and the, the caption is real simple, it's most likely going to do better than like me like trying to over explain and be like, I made this beat and like minor seventh chords <laughs> and this this Moog bass. People are going to be like, bro, what? And I'll be like, this shit slap. Yeah, and it'll be like, ah, you know what I'm saying? I understood saying? that one. You know what I'm saying, bro? It's like, and that's one thing I've noticed. I'll be like, I've gone viral a couple times on Twitter just from some simple shit, bro. Like I had the, like this video just driving over the San Francisco bridge and it was like, the caption was like, man, it looked like a video game last night. And it wasn't anything like crazy. It was just simple because these people could relate to it too. You know, it's just like the less you overthink it i think the more success you're gonna have mm -hmm. and i see that with rappers too like they just be so like overthinking it and like man just be yourself bro whatever yourself is like try and be tap into that more and we're gonna appreciate it other than the <laughs> you know what i'm saying like yeah because yeah. Yeah, it, it's kind of like uh i think that this really man is manifest on like places like tiktok or instagram reels where yeah it's like the simple message yep. is really what resonates. Hundred uh, percent. Because it's like we did. We just did this big family opera in our family. Mm -hmm. uh, my brother and my mom wrote and composed this this big opera. We Dope. had a big show at the uh, Palace of Fine Arts in San Francisco, and I Dope. I kept telling my mom like, 
keep the message like less like vague yeah don't make it all about you don't it's based on your story but like let's mm. keep make it this, universal let's keep it to this level of uh figurative diction or whatever this narrative that's that, that's more figurative than literal so that anybody can identify with the characters gotcha. we're building these archetypes we're not building these specific individuals yeah and i think that that's manifest in the simplicity simplicity of some of these posts that go viral it's why when you go across the bridge you're like man last night was a video game like we all had that moment mm -hmm. everyone who watched that game had that moment where they weren't looking at the game or they were looking at something else staring out their window making coffee and they're like man that game was a that was a video game last yeah. night right yeah so you're giving them a moment out of your daily life that mm -hmm. they can connect to their own you know informal moments yep yep and I think that's in another way that that's some of, also some of the success I've seen with LaRussa lyrically is like he can say something so complex, but in a simple way, mm. in the most simplest way that you might glance over it the first time you hear it. Even I do it in some of our songs and then I'll come back and I'll be like, oh, that was amazing. You yeah, know, yeah. But he has a great way of um, saying complex stuff in a simple way. And I think that's a that's or one of the reasons why so many people have related to his music is the ability. And the same with like Drake is another great artist that does that, like says something that we've all thought or felt and puts it into a word, into a way of words that we're like, I could have said that, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Makes oh, it look easy. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, Oh, yeah. why didn't I say that? Uh, you know what I'm saying? And those are the greats, right? Those are the greats. And that really is the tip of the iceberg that's showing of the of all those hours of work, right? Yeah. It's like when you when you practice regularly and you do the difficult thing and you court difficulty, yep. you make the simple look ridiculously e easy. E even with production, it's like being able to make stuff with room that's it's still open but it's complex. It's complex, but it's still simple. Like some musicians will overproduce so there's not enough room for the vocalist. And that's something I feel like I've done, been able to do a good job in like um, my experience as a rapper has helped because I know how to make stuff that still has a pocket for the rapper, you know, mm -hmm. instead of just like melody, lead, 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 you know, just like one thing on top of each other, you know. Hitting them over the head with the vibe. Yeah. Exactly, bro. So that's like another art, you know, just the same way as that uh, lyrics, like the art to production to like making stuff um, that's that's dope and simple at the same time. Yeah, yeah and I, I think that's one of the, you know, one of the things that I love about the music that you guys are creating together Uh in a way, to me, it feels like a bridge between the millennials and the Gen Z kids. Yeah. Because there's like, there's enough in there to like scratch my hip hop itch Dude. as like a child of the 90s. 100%. But then there's also like some new, you guys are still pushing boundaries. Yeah. And there's enough of the vibe of that's appealing to the youth that wow. makes it feel so fresh. It's so interesting seeing our fan base. Like we literally have like grandparents to t kid, little kids, like go get that bag <laughs> to like the deeper stuff where they're like, man, I ain't, I ain't like hip hop for 30 years. Right. And this is the first thing back. I'm going back. You got me back. And then there's like the stuff like us, like we, you know, grew up on some of the 90s stuff or we're able to experience Pac or whoever. Uh -huh. And that's like, yeah, it's a little bit of this. It's a little bit of this new. It's a little bit of this old. Like that's another thing that's like, 
makes me a fan of what we do too. I'm like, man, we cover a lot of bases and we have fun. You know, like that's, I think a common theme in our music is, man, we'd be turning up, having fun, but also saying something deep, you know, in a lot of the songs as well. Hell yeah. yeah. I mean, it shines through, man. It really man. does. Yeah, the fan base has been, it's so interesting. The shows are such a mixture of people. Like the other day in Sacramento, I was just watching the crowd and I'm like, man, it is such a diverse families, kids, older people, like teenagers, like it's everything. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, well, that's such a big part of La Russell's brand that is undeniable is the joy. Yeah. Like that dude's like one of the happiest looking yeah. <laughs> people I've ever seen in every sure. video. And it's not, doesn't look like a put on. It's no, like, it's him. He looks yeah. genuinely just stoked to be doing what he's doing. And yeah, that's very attractive to me when I'm thinking about the artists or the people that, you know, yeah. I'm going to let into my heart, like that I'm going to, I'm going to experience your art. Oh, you're selling joy. You For know? sure, like, bro. Like Easy buy. Joy, Here. Like I'm in. Take, Here. Shut up and take my money. You yeah. Know? Like, and, and not to say like LaRussell's not human because he's, he goes through a lot too, but yeah. he is genuinely a very positive person, joking. He's always going to, it's just like a, it's like a constant roast battle. Like you got to always have your guard up. Like it's, it's a constant, it's constantly roasting, but it's, uh, yeah, he, he's a, a great person to be around for sure. I mean, he's got so many punchlines. I could see it. He's a I nut. would just imagine the, he's a nut. the, the roasting and the, <laughs> right. the back and forth. He's know? a nut. That's awesome. Well, <laughs> dude, we're, we're, uh. We're getting to the end of the year. Yeah. What is it today? December 1st. December 1st. 1st of December. Yeah. Uh, you know, looking back and looking forward, you got any, you know, goals, intentions? What, what's what's in store for Taupe yeah. in 2023? I'm excited to, to get my merch going. I'm about to launch a little Taupe Got the Dope merch brand, okay. which I'm really excited. I haven't done merch in like eight years or something mm -hmm. but that's something i love like i love clothing and fashion so I, i'm excited to just like make some stuff that i love and make some stuff i want to wear and share it with the world too so um and then with that probably probably a taupe got the dope beat tape as well like an instrumental tape it's definitely time for me to like put out my project i've kind of been giving my energy to everyone out there and i gotta be a little greedy for a minute and make my tape and put it out there um and like a bunch of bunch more projects with a bunch of artists and a bunch more um just opportunities on the table you know i have some major label stuff that i have on the table right now and um just excited to like deliver on all that and then you know me and the russell are gonna try and drop as many projects as we can in this next year as well go hard for another year and see where um it puts us or whatever but I think one of the major themes is is kind of trying to brand, get some of my brand out there a little bit more. I've been doing it, but I want to do it even more. And um, just these different, you know, um, income sources, whether it be selling selling beats like my Beat Stars page or doing merch or DJing more. That's something I found out that I love this year. So live, live um, DJ stuff. Yeah, just just more experimenting, mm -hmm. you know, more. Just getting out there and just just living more and just spreading my wings, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. May it be so. Yes. Are, with your uh, with your merch, 
are you going to be working with a designer? Are you going to be designing it yourself? I've designed the first the first pieces myself, and then I'll probably will do. I have a couple people in mind that I want to like do some collabs and design with. But I wanted to kind of do some of the first ones myself, and also give it the ability to kind of like grow. Like mm-hmm. I, I want to do it simple at first with like a, this design that I came up with, and then. For a yeah, tee or for probably um I want to do t-shirts, hoodies, and then like trucker hats. Okay. Kind of my idea. And then probably like sweatshorts too. Like yeah. uh like I have these I, I have a couple concepts right. of like just a full yeah. tote got the dope fit. I love it. Um yeah, it's gonna be dope. Um but yeah, starting out myself and then honestly I feel like there's there's definitely room for some collaboration with a few brands I've been talking about and stuff like that. So like a taupe and someone else brand or whatever. But dude. Yeah. Probably gonna do it all like we, you know, La Russell. Um, probably gonna do it all, La Russells. Order the order the screens, do the blanks, do good it company. all. Yeah, do it all myself. It'll be separate from Good Company, but it'll be like, you know, I'll be using the Good Company machine for sure. The <laughs> yeah. apparatus is already built. Yeah. Exactly. Might as well stay in house. Yeah. You gotta. Uh, I gotta connect you with my uh, my boy Tommy Breeze up in Fairfax. Okay. For the trucker caps. Dope. Cause he's uh, an amazing. I almost wore his hat today, but he's got a hat shop. Yeah. And he does like really cool designs. And he's also working on building this like community press. Okay. Uh, they just had an event. I wanted to go last week, but I'm, I'm a space case. Um, but he's, I had him on one of my episodes. We're about to do another one. Okay. But he's creating this like artist collaborative environment uh, for merch. And Fairfax is um, the place to do it at too. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just the best dude. And he like knows hats and he, Trucker hats are like one of his things. Yeah. So yeah, I found out this year I love connecting. trucker hats. Yeah. I didn't know they're so comfortable. It's the summertime thing, man. They're great. It's, yeah. You yeah. Can take them in the river with you, and you know. I hated on them for so long, <laughs> and then someone gave me, someone sent me one, and I put it on, and I was like, "Huh. Yeah. This is so comfortable." comfortable. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Hell yeah, dude. Well, I th- thank you so much for your time, man. man thank you, bro. Appreciate you coming on, man. I love to, love to see my boys back to back successful and yeah. Before we uh, before we cut out, just uh, let's. Where can people find you? What are the things you want to promote? Where, yeah. What's the best way to connect with Tope? Uh, social media, it's Tope. I T S T O P E. It's Tope dot com. Yeah, I would say Twitter, Instagram are where you're gonna keep up with me the best um, with new new music and current events and behind the scenes and stuff like that. Spotify as well. Spotify Tope. Yeah, Apple Music Tope. All streaming Tope. T-O-P-E, you'll find me. And then on YouTube, you got, what's the name of your, your series? Um, YouTube is uh, like how I made the beat. I have a behind the beat series as well, but the um, the new kind of version of the behind the beat is just how I made the beat. How yeah. I made the beat, hell yeah, yeah man. Dude, exactly. keep keep doing it, it's Come working. Come on, brother, appreciate Much you. love, thank you for coming on. Likewise. And let's check in again and Shout in out to year. the Bartcast, man. Hell Look yeah, at the bro. quality, baby, you see it. We're on video now. <laughs> right, we got video in here. It's different. Hell yeah, it's different, baby. Let's go.